Cards Against Mine, a competitive ratings podcast between siblings. I'm your sister co-host, Elizabeth Connor. I'm your brother co-host, Thomas Dempsey. And before we got this episode started, we were just doing a little catching, catching up. up. Yeah, and you were about to regale us with tales of the puppy dog. Yeah, so as you guys hopefully remember from our last episode, my dog had a fairly extensive knee surgery um, on both of her legs, and I'm very happy to report she's doing great. Uh, Mm. It's been two weeks since her surgery, and she's finished all of her medication. Her incisions look good. Um, She's moving around pretty good. Uh, I mean, we've still got a long way to go in terms of the recovery process. Right. But um, she looks great for two weeks out. We have our we have our uh, follow-up appointment on Thursday. Okay. So. Well, I hope it goes well. I'm sure it will. I'll yeah. keep you posted. Yeah. Uh, the cats are back at our place have been doing fine. Feisty has gained so much weight. It is crazy. Yeah. I swear she's got... Did mom say mention? Well, mom... I think mom and dad both mentioned something. And then I was FaceTiming them this weekend or like late last week or something like that and mom picked up feisty and like let me see her yeah and she yeah she's, she's about as she's about as big as uh, fidget is and her flash is and she's about as like good got a good two years on her three years yeah because i so. brought i brought flash up there to y'all the mother's day before brian and i got married so that was 2018 yeah, Feisty's doing well. She um, climbed into the wa- uh, dryer when I was trying to get some clothes washed. And that's when I really, pulling her out of that thing, she did the whole, like, dead flop. Yeah. And that's when I was really able to get a sense of how much she weighs. Yeah. But uh, she's a good cat. She's a sweet girl. And, uh, yo, yeah. I don't know if uh, we'll be what we're going to be doing with them on our vacation mm-hmm. next month. Have we talked about that? We're taking a, a fall break out to the beach. I don't think we've, I think maybe we've mentioned a vacation, but I don't think we've like shared our plans. Yeah. Well, we've just got that trip coming up and I, I guess I, if we were going to leave the cats at home, I feel comfortable enough now with how feisty's getting on that I think she'd be okay being left here but if we've got the option of bringing whoever then uh, we'll just have to see Yeah. or if uh, it depends on what mom and dad want to do if they want to board or yeah, anything like that but, uh, looking forward to it we are too um, we're going to be bringing Violet and then oh, yeah. we've got a former neighbor who's a really good cat sitter so I think we're going to get her. Look after the rest of them. Yeah. So you got um, anything non-book related you want to talk about? I'm trying to think. Um, oh, so I am starting the process to get my national board certification. That's neat. Yeah. Now, what does all that entail? Um, a lot more than I realized. So... I guess it's been like two weeks ago, maybe a little over two two weeks ago or something. I went to a informational meeting 
uh, about the national board certification because our my school district where I work is sponsoring a cohort and okay. so what that means is because normally if you want to get your sort your national board certification you have to pay for it entirely out of pocket yeah so I still have to pay like the $75 registration fee okay and the district is going to pick up the other $2,000 that it costs to get it Ooh wee. Um, Appreciate, but uh, okay. And now, is that like uh, classes you'll need to take and stuff? So it's a series of tests and assignments that I'll need to take. Um, and what our district does is work is they've set it up with a person who works with the who has their national board certification, um, and she is going to like help us through the process of being of getting prepared. Um, and we're, it's actually going to take two years to get the certification because you could do it in oh. one year, but that's that would be like a lot, a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so this first year, we're going to focus on, there's four components. This first year, we're going to focus on component one and component three, which are the two most difficult components. Component one is a series of, I think it's four tests that you have to take. And then component three is where you videotape yourself teaching lessons and then you have to like type up a response to your teaching and you have to send okay. in the video and the response. Yeah, all right. That's kind of like what you uh, did for grad school. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's very similar. Well, I wish you luck on that. Thanks. So we're having our first official meeting um, Thursday evening. Yeah. So. Okay. Wait, that, you said Thursday? Yeah. So I'll take Violet it's to her. It's going to be a busy day. It is going to be a busy day. Yeah. It is going to be a busy day. Well, I think you're about ready to talk about some reading. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about some reading. Alrighty. Well. I've just had I've just got one book apart from the challenge to discuss for this week, so I'll go ahead and knock it out. And uh, that's another one of these dang old uh, Inspector Migret stories that I've been working my way through. Mm -hmm. This one is called The Cellars of the Majestic. It's a murder mystery set at a well, not set at, but it's about a murder that took place in the. Uh, basement of this re uh, prestigious pr Parisian hotel. Okay. And uh, it's a decent mystery. The logic of it all sort of plays out pretty well. I do think I have to say it's probably the weakest of any of these stories that I've read so far. Okay. Just by virtue of the fact that, like, even sort of the l more underwhelming of these has, like, some sequence that's usually pretty memorable or like some grand revelation or epilogue or way of tying things together that really stays with you. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one is just sort of like uh, a, a few people are killed and um, everybody thinks it's one guy. He looks around, talks to some people, turns out it's someone else. And uh, I don't know, it just wasn't that compelling compared to the other ones which i guess you're bound to 
run up against some of those. But, mm -hmm. um, I mean, I didn't not enjoy reading it. It's still like, uh, like a well-told story. I like the language, uh, whatnot. But, um, yeah, it's just sort of a, sort of a letdown, I guess. Okay. But, uh, that was that. And I look forward to talking about the challenge for this week. But before we do that, you got any other books you want to get into? Yeah, so I also only read one book. Okay. Apart from the challenge. Um, this was a new romance series, or it's the first book in the series. Um, it's called Alpha's Betrayal by Sky Wilson. And... Is it's, this uh, Omegaverse? Uh, Werewolf. Okay. Not exactly Omegaverse, but like this is pretty. Right. This is pretty solidly like werewolves. Okay. Um, uh, I, I could not begin to tell you the difference, but I'll take your word for it. Okay. Um. It it was fine. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, I've come on this podcast before and just been like, look, like, I am not, like, a huge, like, in terms of the paranormal romance fantasy stuff, like, werewolves just yeah. aren't my vibe. Now, I will say, this particular one, I appreciated more than the others I've read because it didn't try to do, it didn't try to become more than it was. Okay. So, other, like, werewolf novel like romance novels i've read okay well first of all let me say this if this is a rejected mate romance novel uh -huh. which i'm already like okay like i'm not crazy about that um so basically the main female character uh her name's luna go figure sure. and she is her faded mate or her anyway her mate is the pack alpha and his name is Marnay. And they've kind of been like sneaking around for six years because she is the illegitimate daughter of like one of the higher ups in the pack. Okay. And anyway, now they're like in their mid twenties, mid to late twenties. And they're having this ceremony where you find your mate, you present your mate to the pack and he presents a different person. Okay. And she confronts him. And he basically, like, rejects her in front of everybody. He hits her. And then he sentences her to death. Yikes. Yeah. Um, well, in concurrence with this, there is another pack who is who has been invited to this ceremony... And for once, I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah. I always, I can never remember the girl's name. This time I can't remember the guy's name. And he's okay. the alpha and he comes to take over Marnay's pack. Huh. And anyway, stuff goes down. This other alpha like rescues Luna. It turns out that there's like an attraction there. Luna is basically, like, poo-pooed on by her former pack mates. She can't be trusted by who could potentially become her new pack mates. And the reason why this is just, like, it's just fine. Like, it's not great. 
is because yeah. it's very much because Luna as the protagonist is very much painted as you know this poor defenseless helpless woman who everybody's been lied to for their own personal gain she always gets the short end of the stick and like you can tell in the later novels like she's gonna come into her own but like okay. I don't have the patience to read about it alright you got that first book knocked out at least yeah, so if I change my mind, then I can go and read the second one. Okay. Alrighty, sounds like a plan. If that takes care of those, then uh, I think after the break we can come back and get into talking about this week's reading challenge. Sounds good. Alright, see you in a minute. Alright, and welcome back to Your Words Against Mine. Uh, we just finished up sort of housekeeping and general discussion but now it's time to talk about this week's reading challenge this was a book i assigned to elizabeth for us to read and elizabeth do you want to tell people uh, wait how do we normally do this do i does the assigner or the assignee talk about what it is um i don't know i feel like it kind of depends okay <clears throat> so i mean i can well i I'll... can okay uh well, I, I assigned us to read uh, Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. It is a book I've had sort of sitting around for a while. Uh, just didn't really have any pretense for why I wanted us to read it. It's just one I've been meaning to get around to and thought it looked good. So it's uh, set in the 1950s in Mexico. And uh, it's about this uh, young woman named Noemi and her cousin Catalina who is married and living with this man named Virgil at his family estate in this remote mountain town and uh, so the, she, the, Noemi's family gets a letter from Catalina one day that sounds sort of disjointed and like she's like being held captive or haunted by mm -hmm. something so they send Noemi to visit the house to see what the situation is and whether or not the family needs to intervene so and on the promise of like getting Noemi into this uh, education program that she's looking into and uh, so Noemi goes there she's sort of a uh, like a socialite with aspirations uh, for academia mm -hmm. she's like um a uh, anthrop anthropologist in the making mm -hmm. so so she goes to this town and she meets the Doyle family that Catalina has married into which consists mm. of the patriarch this very old man named Howard uh, <sighs> like his I guess daughter or granddaughter or uh, named Florence and his grandchildren uh, I want to say Francis and Virgil who married Catalina that's my the family tree of this book is kind of vague it is because so I, I was because I, I yeah. couldn't figure out who Florence was either yeah I did not know how she was like related blood wise if she had married into the family or if she was a dis direct descendant or not you know I think she was a niece a niece because sure. Francis and Virgil are cousins okay yeah and francis is florence's son mm -hmm. and virgil is i want to say howard's is howard's son 
Howard's son. Okay. Alrighty. Well, uh, yeah, so uh, Noemi goes there and Catalina's sort of in and out of it. Uh, Virgil and them say that she's suffering from uh, tuberculosis. Yeah. But uh, uh, obviously things, certain things don't add up and the longer she stays there, the more uh, suspicious people become and the more seemingly supernatural events take seem to take place. Uh, how much of the plot do you want to get into? Because it's about two-thirds of the way into the book that things really start popping off. Um, if there is a way for us to, like, allude to what happens without giving it away... Okay. Well, as the title sort of suggests, this is in the tradition, or, like, um, is very much influenced by the tradition of like gothic fiction yeah stuff like weathering heights and what have you uh jane eyre which they do reference these... a lot in the book yeah so all these stories about sad families living in old mansions and like dark secrets that come revealed and what all and uh i've read weathering heights i haven't read much not much else that i know of from that genre but um I'm not sure how common the theme of the supernatural is in these stories, mm-hmm. but this is definitely a book that like uh, hints towards that. Yeah. And whether or not it pays off on it, or like in what ways, it sort of like pays off on that. Uh, yeah. Is, I feel uh, like. To... Yeah. I feel like gothic literature kind of lends itself towards either a supernatural twist or just like a really scandalous twist. Sure. Now, would you say you have a preference for one or the other? Um, I honestly, I kind of prefer, well, okay. So I, if I had to choose between the two, I would prefer, I prefer like the supernatural twist. Okay. Because the scandalous twist is usually kind of like icky. That's, yeah, that's fair. Although I'll say, I feel like oftentimes the supernatural twist almost feels like a cop-out. Yeah, I get that. It's almost like with a mystery story where you're trying to figure out how something could have happened. And then, like, push come to shove, like a wizard did it. Yeah. Like that old thing. Right. So, uh... Yeah, I, I do, while as uh, potentially problematic as the other kinds of stories can get, I feel like there's a uh, coherency to their plotting mm-hmm. that I find more satisfying, uh, generally at least, not exclusively. Yeah. Uh, one example I can cite, and uh, I know you hadn't gotten around to it yet, but uh, the Essex Serpent, yeah. I think, is a very good example of this. Mm-hmm. And um, I might just go ahead and challenge you to read that sometime. Okay. Even though I've already read it. But uh, I just would really like to pick your brain about it. Because that was one of my favorite reads from uh, the past couple years. Okay. Yeah. Although um, she's written other books. I could just get us on the topic of those. But we'll see. I have another book I'm going to assign for this week. So we'll talk about that when we get to it. But yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I, uh, 
I, I well, how'd you like the characters in this story? Okay, so <sighs> there's not a big cast, is there? There's not a big cast, and the thing. <sighs> okay, so I like Noemi. Right. I liked her. Sure. Catalina, <laughs> Cat- Catalina was fine. Like she was a victim of circumstance. Sure. Everybody else, I either like, I don't know. It kind of ranged from like could not stand to was mildly annoying. Okay. Like there's, even Francis was like mildly uh, annoying. Yeah. Sure. Well, like obviously you can't. There's a lot of like distrust with his character, so it. Uh, it gets fr- it gets frustrating in part like how much they can sort of like relate to each other right and you're not really getting so it, by virtue of that you're not really getting the um like the more s- satisfying romantic arc yeah yeah because but, see uh, like you know yeah. like we've we've mentioned Wuthering Heights the book itself mentions Wuthering Heights And I remember Wuthering Heights, and I really, really enjoyed Wuthering Heights. But you want to know why I really enjoyed Wuthering Heights? Why is that? Because I hated all the characters, and they all got what was coming to them. Right. Whereas this book maybe doesn't quite allow you that same, like, sure-footedness for hatred. Exactly. Yeah, I, I can get that. And, uh... Especially with a character like... Uh, with characters like Virgil and Florence, Ugh. who are like very much the overt antagonists of the story, and that another reason that I sort of prefer the more grounded uh, takes on these stories is that it often allows for a more humanizing touch on those kind of characters. Mm-hmm. Not to say that they necessarily need to be wholly redeemed, but it like you you do sort of have a pretense for. Like, like having a better appreciation for their circumstances and their psychology as mm-hmm. opposed to them just being sort of like literally monstrous. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. I had two like overarching like things that gave me, that made me roll my eyes. Okay. During this, during the reading of this. So one, I frequently was just like, oh, white people. You know, <laughs> oh yeah. Like I did, I did that a lot. Um, yeah, there's this book is set in the 1950s. The Doyle family is heavily into uh, race science. Uh, what's the term? Eugenics. Eugenics. And and uh, yeah, it, there are some very uncomfortable uh, dinner scenes between the Doyles and Noemi that. Uh, yeah, uh, pl- uh, get into that. And then the second thing was the whole, you know, like, especially between, like, Noemi and Francis, kind of, you know, before things start to go down, you you keep having these, like, conflicts between them where it's like, I need you to tell me what's going on. And they're like, and then Francis is all like, I'm telling you w- without telling you. You have to, like, I don't know, listen with your eyes or something. <laughs> you know, sure. like, that yeah. whole trope like really gets on my yeah. nerves the only time it's never gotten on my nerves is during like a Sherlock Holmes movie yeah or the TV show 
Right. But like that's I don't know. I get that, but it is uh, uh, understandable, and um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I feel like maybe if there was more to this story than its central mystery. Yeah. Because I feel like part of the reason, like we said, that things really don't start going down until about the 200 page mark. Yeah. If a little later, is that uh, like it really takes that long for like most everything to come out in the open. Mm-hmm. And then to be fair, the like things really do pick up the pace after that. But yep. you do almost gives you the sense that anything that was not directly that there was a lack of superfluous incident that could like benefit the story's sort of atmosphere or mm-hmm. like sense of like like place yeah whereas you just sort of get there you meet like all of two people who live in the village down from the uh estate Mm-hmm. And uh, then you've just got, like, those three three or four other family members, and... And, and it, like, yeah, it's sort of like, for these old gothic sort of stories, you're not really dealing with a especially large or, being honest, compelling cast of characters. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it almost feel like the book would have benefited from being like just being longer. Yeah. Did you see where this book is being adapted by Hulu? Okay, well I I'd be interested to see that cuz I could definitely see this show like playing well as a miniseries. Yeah. Mm. And uh yeah, I'd be I think that'd be fun to be checked out. But, uh, yeah, I hadn't heard about that until now. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. did, you re- did you find a physical copy, or did you get an e- 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 e-edition? E- I got a Kindle edition. Okay. Uh, and that's actually how I knew about that, was because it was, I think, on the cover? Maybe? Okay, so... Or maybe in like the... It's... Or maybe in, like, the online description of the book. Okay, yeah. Well, that'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, gosh. There was another thing. Like, you were talking, and it made me think of it, and I was like, I didn't like that. But what was it? Was it something about this story, or was yeah, it another one? It, no, it was about this story. All right, it, there was the characters. Uh, talked about how few they were. Oh, they were I remember. Like, oh. Okay, I remember. And I was talking to Brian about this. I was like, it's really driving me crazy that, like... And, and I had to keep reminding myself, like, this is the 1950s, and these people have different priorities, and women's rights were really, really different. Because, like, in my brain, I was like, I don't know, I guess trying to put it in today's perspective. Because I was like, Noemi should just take her. Like, she should just take Catalina yeah. and get out of town. But, like, you couldn't yeah. do that because even though they're related, like, Catalina, I mean, basically, like, her husband owns her. Yeah, yeah, and that's, so it's definitely a, it's a, it's kind of like setting a story in a time before cell phones. And it was like, so frustrating. 
Right. Because, like, me, I would just, I, I was like, you should just get her out. Like, just wait till the middle. I mean, obviously things happened in the book that would make it, that made it apparent that, like, that w- that couldn't happen. Right. But it's just like, just, just take off in the middle of the night and, like, leave. Sure. But. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I get, I, I think that's fair. And, um, you know, it seems like we're being pretty critical, uh, so far, but, um, just sort of in general, would you say you enjoyed it or? I, and, and you know what, that was the other thing, like, for as many things as got on my nerves about this story, like, I genuinely enjoyed it. Yeah, I can say that too. So, that's uh, another uh, thing to its credit that, like, I think it could have afforded to be longer because I think um, uh, Moreno Garcia is a good writer and, like, the people would probably be, like, like down for hearing more of what she has to say or put out there. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything uh, else you wanted to touch on or? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I think I've I think yeah. I've aired all my grievances. That's that's fine. <laughs> and all, really, I'm glad we got to talk about it. Uh, glad I finally got around to checking it out. And uh, look forward to seeing that mini series you mentioned. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm curious as to when it's. I wonder if Hulu has only bought the rights, or if they're like, oh. or if they're actively like, you know, going to be starting production soon. Sure, I get that. Yeah, that'll be uh, something to keep an eye out for. Yeah. So that was this week's reading challenge, and we both finished it. Yep. Meaning we both get the uh, word count for this week. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you want to get into word totals? Yeah. All right, well, I read uh, Cellars of the Majestic and Mexican Gothic, which brought my word total from uh, 3,309,933 up to uh, 3,460,067. Alrighty. Which puts me about half a million up over where I was last year, this same time, and uh, about 78% of the way through my reading total God. for last year. You are killing me with the my own words against me challenge. Well, that's that's sort of the benefit of not reading as much as you do. Yeah. There's like more room for improvement. Um... So I read Alpha's Betrayal and Mexican Gothic, which brings my subtotal between last episode and this episode to 153,206 words. That brings my total for the year to 6,204,030 words, which puts me uh-huh. at 62% of where I was of of my word count for last year. Okay. Well, still got about four months to go so i think you're on pace to at least uh meet up with your uh last year's total you know i i don't know i don't know if i've i don't know if i'm just reading shorter books because like and i have been terrible about keeping up with my like goodreads challenge because i feel like i have read more books 
at this point than I did in the entirety of last year, but my word count is lower. Okay. I don't know. I I'll that. have to... Between this episode and next episode, I'm going to put everything into Goodreads, and then I'll update, and then I'll update you. Alrighty, I look see forward if to that seeing that. Have you, um, uh, a week or two back, I finally got my, um, oh, what is it called, that story list? Oh, story or, graph? Yeah, I got my story graph set up where you can import over your uh, Goodreads data. Mm-hmm. Because they make you jump through hoops to do that. I had to mm. get up. I couldn't do it for my um, my cell phone. I had to get on the laptop and like download something and then upload it to the StoryGraph site. But mm -hmm. I finally got it worked out, and it's it's pretty nifty. Okay, I haven't done yeah. that yet. I need to. Um, well, that's another thing I need to do. I need to update my StoryGraph because it's desolate. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, that's about everything taken care of for this week save for our next reading challenge yep and uh have a bit more of a directed um, influence for this one uh, recently the youtuber philosophy tube put out a video where she discusses uh like concepts and evaluations of works of art okay and in that video she cites a novel one second that uh, I have had on my shelf but have not yet read for maybe a year or two and I'm uh, going to take this opportunity to read it. It is by the uh, author Vladimir Nabokov mm -hmm. and it is called Pale Fire. Okay. And uh, it's, uh, reading off the back uh a cornucopia of deceptive pleasures, a 999-line poem by the reclusive genius John Sade, an adoring foreword and commentary by Shade's self-styled uh, Boswell, Dr. Charles Kinboat, a darkly comic novel of suspense, literary idolatry, and one-upsmanship, and political intrigue. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, once again, that's Pell Fire by Vladimir Nabokov. Uh, we'll be talking about that one roughly a month from now. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in a couple weeks, you'll be able to get back here to see us talk about uh, Whiskey Bourbon, Bourbon Empire. Empire, yes. And By... uh, I've, I've gotten that one checked out. All right. Started in on it. Looking forward to talking about it. But uh, thank you again, Elizabeth, for joining us on here. I mean, I would hope I would join you. All right. Uh, yeah, I've, I've entertained the thought of recording something by myself, but you know, I'd probably just probably it'd be unlistenable, frankly. So, uh, <laughs> you want to tell folks where they can find us? Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can also find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com, and you can send us a question, recommendation, or suggestion to yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. All right, and we look forward to seeing you again in our next episode. Thank you for your time, and as always, as we like to say at the end of every episode, bye. Goodbye.